Um, uh, hang on, let me just follow my notes so I don't get lost. So, as the Stoa gets bigger, the Gentiles get more and more crowded and eventually are pushed out. But yet God said, let not the foreigners who've joined themselves to me say, there's no room in God's house for me. Behold, I'm a dry, withered tree. Let them not say that, God said. I'm giving them a name better than sons and daughters. The Jews are sons and daughters. That would make me jealous if some foreigner got called something better than a son or a daughter. All right. So you see that in order to understand why Jesus is so mad that he's knocking over money changers' tables, you have to go to the texts that he's teaching from and read them and say, wait a minute, does this shed light on what's going on in that New Testament place? And it's only here in Isaiah and Jeremiah that we see the Gentiles are getting crowded out of their rightful place in God's house. But who cares? They are just Gentiles. <laughs> Nobody cares about them anyways. Do you know what the sages called the leaders of Israel? Turn to Proverbs 27. This is one of the coolest things that Ray Vanderlyn ever showed me. Proverbs 27, turn there and everybody ought to grab their pencil and circle verse 18. Boy, you guys are dead, dead, dead today, aren't you? What does it say? There you go. Whoever tends a fig tree will eat its fruit, and he who guards his master will be honored. The Jews always rhyme, not sounds, but meanings. They rhyme thoughts. You know, what's that? You and I might say something like roses are red, violets are blue. Some poems rhyme, but this one doesn't. And you're like, okay, well, that didn't, that didn't work. You're supposed to say something that rhymed with blue, right? I love me and I love you, you know, something like that. Jews don't rhyme sounds because like every other word in Hebrew ends in ha. Vechol levavecha uvechol nefshecha meodecha. Like ha, 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 everything ha, ha, ha. So they don't rhyme words because they all sound the same. They rhyme ideas. I will... Not, no, I will forgive your transgressions and I will remember your sins no more. See how it's doubled, doubled? It's always doubled. Summon to me the son of Jesse. Bring before me King David. You see how I said the same thing twice? The son of Jesse is David. And King David, I want, that's what Hebrew does. So they just rhymed something here in 2718. What is a fig tree? A fig tree is to a, as its fruit is to what? Look at verse 18. Whoever is to he, fig tree is to 
something, and fruit is to something. What are their equivalents? Yes! Victory is to master as honor is to fruit. So the Jews said a fig tree is a master. What's a master? It's a leader. Could be a rabbi, could be a priest. Could be a Sadducee. That's a fig tree. We always know that trees are people in the Bible. So a fig tree, because great big leaves produces fruit and provides all kinds of shade and nourishment for God's people, a fig tree was considered a teacher, a leader. Because that's what they did. Provided shade, fruit, protection for God's people. Now plug that knowledge in and go back to Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through 14. Where is Jesus on his way to? He's on his way to Jerusalem. Specifically, before the tree gets cursed, he's on his way to the temple. Let's read it again. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem. And he entered the temple, began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them saying, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. You've made it a den of robbers and the chief priests and the scribes. Those are the Torah teachers heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him. For they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, check it out. The fig tree that you cursed is withered. He's blown away. Now, what do you know about fig trees? They symbolize the leaders of Israel. Who are the leaders of Israel in Jesus' day? They're the priests. Why are they the leaders? Because they're the go-between. Between you and the God, I decide what you bring, how you bring it, how much. That's pretty much you can't get higher than that. Right? Can you start to see this coming together? Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? Who did he curse it for? Who was watching him? His disciples were watching him. Do you think Jesus knew it was winter? Uh, yeah. Do you think Jesus knows that fruit trees lose their leaves in the winter? He created the universe. I think he knows how trees work. So when he went, hmm, I'm hungry. And his 12 disciples are watching him. And he says, oh, look at this. A fig tree and leaf in the middle of winter. Now, did Jesus make the tree have leaves on it, even though it wasn't supposed to? We don't know. I doubt it. I think he thought, awesome teaching opportunity. This is what he always did. 
He used what was around him and he said, huh, y'all notice something weird about that tree? Why does it have all its leaves? All the trees around it are dead. Good question. What kind of tree is that, Peter? That's a fig tree, Rabbi. That's right. Bartholomew, you remember uh, what a fig tree is, right? It's a leader of Israel, sir. Interesting. I'm going to go see if there's any fruit on that fig tree. His disciples follow him. Everywhere he goes, they're following him. And he says, hmm, no fruit here. Huh, no fruit there. Isn't this interesting? This tree is acting like a fig tree. Oh, it's dressed like a fig tree. Perfectly. But where's the fruit? There is none, Rabbi. Why not? That's the reason that fig trees and leaf is to produce fruit. What's the fruit of the fig tree in symbolic terms? Okay. What do you learn from a leader? What do you learn from a teacher? Especially a teacher of Israel. Remember the two most important things to a Jew are God and the Torah. God and the Torah. What's a leader, a teacher supposed to teach you? God and the Torah. They're supposed to teach you that. What would be the fruit of a teacher? What's the fruit I'm giving you? Knowledge. Knowledge of whatever we're talking about, right? That fig tree looks like a fig tree, acts like a fig tree, but there's not one shred of fruit on that fig tree. Now put it into leader terms. That, f- that priest looks like a priest, uh-huh. He's acting like a priest, uh-huh. But what is he not doing? He's not actually taking care of God's people. He's not feeding them. He's not giving them what they need. He's not teaching them who God is. In fact, what is the leader doing? Especially the pigeon. He's taking from them. He's not sharing the fruit with them. He's doing the exact opposite. He's stealing from them and pocketing it. Even the poor and the widow, he's oppressing. Do you understand why Jesus is so mad? Why he has righteous indignation and he is knocking things over, driving people out, screaming and yelling, and no one is saying, hey, knock it off, sir. You have no right to do that in here. Jesus put the fear of God in them when he said, is this not God's house, the house of prayer for all the nations? And he points to the stoa and the chief priest. Oh, geez, it's under construction. It's getting bigger. You've made it a den of robbers. Well, that's Jeremiah 7. Well, you didn't keep reading in Jeremiah 7. See, this is the scary part. If you keep reading in Jeremiah 7, y'all can just listen. This is why it's scary. (laughs) This is crazy. God says, has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your eyes? Look, I myself have seen it, declares the Lord. I want you to go to my place that was in Shiloh where I made my name dwell at first. That was the first temporary temple. And I want you to see what I did to it because of the evil of the people of Israel. 
And now, because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, when I spoke to you persistently, you didn't listen. When I called you, you didn't answer. Therefore, I'm going to do to this house what I did to that house that is in Shiloh. He brought down sulfur and fire from the heavens and utterly destroyed Shiloh, raised it to the ground. Scorched earth policy. There's no, not even a hint of anything that was left. He utterly destroyed it. Do you understand why the priests and the Sadducees started to take Jesus kind of seriously when he went through here and had this power and this look in his eyes? Do you know what God's going to do to you? And here's another reason. If you go to Jeremiah 8.13, look at what it says. Because from the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. From the prophet to the priest, everyone deals falsely. This is written 800 years before Jesus. When I would gather them, declares the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. Even the leaves are withered. Do you know why Jesus cursed the fig tree so that it withered? It's the picture of Jeremiah 8.13. Next day, Peter sees the same fig tree that Jesus cursed and he remembers, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree you cursed, it's withered. And what does Jesus say? Well, have faith in God. <laughs> Truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, wait a minute, stop. What mountain? Which mountain? They're in the temple. There's not a mountain. It's built on a mountain. Maybe he's talking about the mountain it's built on. But five miles south on the main road, you can see a mountain that was called the Herodium. This is really cool how geography plays into the Bible. Jesus says, well, I tell you what, you know, um, have faith. I, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. And I'm reading this and I'm going, wait a minute, what? I'm so lost. We're talking about fig trees and curses and Jesus is saying like, have faith, pray, forgive people. I don't get it. And this is why without our Hebrew glasses, stories like this just kind of go, Fling! and we go, okay, Jesus got angry one day because he didn't have a Snickers. So he like killed a tree. And then he went into the temple and he was still hungry. So he like kicked everybody out and just started being mad, you know, mad. And then Peter was like, look, Rabbi, you killed the tree. And he was like, you know what? Have faith in God. It's all going to be all right. It's just the weirdest thing and none of it makes sense. However, when we unpack it and put it all together, the question is, does this fit together? The traditional way to understand this passage is that Jesus didn't find fruit on the fig tree, so he got ticked off and called down a curse. Does that sound like Jesus? No. How many of God's miracles hurt, killed, or destroyed? Would you say none, a few, a lot, or every single one? How many of God's miracles hurt, killed, or destroyed someone or a lot of people? A few? You say a few? Any opinion? No? No? You don't know? How many miracles?
the plagues, the battles, the fact that 300 people could kill 10,000 like that, the fact that Israel killed all their enemies over and over again with inferior uh, numbers of people, all those count as miracles. Guys, a lot. Most of God's miracles hurt, killed, or destroyed something to get the people into Israel, to Canaan. Do you know how many of Jesus' miracles hurt, killed, or destroyed someone? This is it. This is the only miracle where Jesus kills anything. And it was a tree. Your question should be, why did he kill this fig tree? My guess is he killed it because it is written. Let me say that a different way. My guess is that Jesus trusted, believed, had faith in what was written hundreds of years earlier in Jeremiah 8, 8 through 15. Jesus trusted in God, which is the exact same thing as trusting God's word. Guys, as you are navigating your way through life as sophomores and juniors, to trust God is to trust his word. Do you understand what's written in there? I can't stress that enough. God said it, Jeremiah wrote it, and Jesus made it happen. But how? You guys, the disciples were just amazed at the marvel of it all. Their rabbi talks to a storm and it obeys him. What? That's Psalm 107. And before that, it's Jonah. In Mark 10, right before this story, Jesus asks a blind man, I love this question, blind man, Rabbi, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, sir, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, my microwave's not working, so I just hoped you could like maybe fix it. Like, really? What do you think you want me to do? <laughs> what do you think I want you to do for me? And he makes him say it. He goes, sir, what do you want me to do for you? And he goes, I want to I receive my sight. I want to see again. And you say, cool. Jesus went, and just healed him. No. You know why the guy got his sight? Because it is written. Isaiah 35, Isaiah 32, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. He speaks to deafness, to muteness, to blindness, to epilepsy. They all obey him. Why? It is written. It was written before he ever came. Jesus comes up to a fig tree and because our rabbi knows the text like the back of his hand, what does he do? If you don't get anything else out of class today, get this next thing I'm going to say. Jesus recognizes the setting, knows where to go in the text, and then he acts it out. He's walking through his life 800 years after Isaiah and Jeremiah and Jesus suddenly comes upon a fig tree which is a rabbi in leaf but no fruit and says, I know this one. Wait a minute. Okay, 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 okay. I know this one. I've, I've read this before. He recognizes the setting. All the players are here. He already knows where to go in the text. That's Jeremiah 8. And he acts accordingly. What else 
could he do? The text says there's no figs on the fig tree and the leaves are withered. What do you think he's going to do? He's got to curse it. It's got to wither because it is written. Isn't that amazing? I, I always thought he just got mad and just cursed it. But when you realize Jesus is working from the text, you go, these are miracles that God is doing through Jesus. Oh my gosh. And I can hear Jesus saying, oh, I know this one. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And it goes, and it withers and dies. And the disciples are so blown away, right? Jesus recognizes the setting, knows where to go in the text, and acts accordingly. Now, what do you think Jesus expects his 12 disciples to do? Exactly the same thing. You know where we are, 12. Yeah, we're on the sea, and it's blowing, and we're scared to death, and oh my goodness. Guys. Yeah, Rabbi? Psalm 107. Oh, 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 my, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that's why you were, I never knew. And we, we, th we think, why does Jesus get mad at these disciples? They're on the boat, we'll study this in a few days, heading over to Scaryville, Gentile world, and the biggest storm they've ever experienced in their life comes upon this boat, and they're scared to death, and guess where Jesus is? <laughs> He's sleeping down in the bottom of the boat on a cushion. And the boat's literally like, like it's about to break. And they're, help! Oh my gosh, save me! Rabbi, wake up! Oh my gosh! And Jesus gets up and he starts scolding them. Why do you have such little faith? Where's your faith? And we don't understand this. It's like, geez, Jesus isn't really nice to the disciples. These are kids and they're scared to death. And Jesus gets up and starts yelling at them. Like, that's not very nice. That's what I do. When you realize Jesus isn't yelling at him, he's not mad at him. They don't trust in God's word. Wait, 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 what do you mean? They don't believe the things that were written are true for them. And I would say that is true for each person in this room today. You read these stories. These happened thousands of years ago. Oh, that's neat. Oh, that's nice. I'm so glad. That's great that they experienced that. But that was true for them. How about me in 2019? Is the Bible actually true for me in 2019? No, it's not. Because I've asked God a hundred times for such and such and this and that. It doesn't ever happen. Hebrew roots. Learn to recognize your setting. Know where to go in the text. And then act it out and guess what will happen. Guess what will happen. What will you see? Come on. Don't be shy. What will you see? What did the disciples see? What did Jesus see? What do we call those things that we have no explanation for because they're absolutely above nature? Miracles. miracles. You will see and experience miracles. When you learn to recognize your setting, know that that was written thousands of years ago and you act accordingly, I believe you will see miracles. No doubt in my mind, I have. We can talk about that some other day. So do you believe the Bible is true, Hebrew roots? Yeah, sure, Mr. Gene, I believe it's true. 
are you familiar enough with the text to recognize your setting? Oh, you got me on that one, Mr. Dean. I don't ever read my Bible. I think in 2019, Midland, Texas, if you did recognize your setting, you would see miracles in your life. Here's the point, guys. Have trust in God. Listen when I say that whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea. You know where that's from? You think Jesus just made that up right there? Here's a mountain. I, I tell you what, you could probably tell that mountain to get up and go jump in the ocean. It would, Jesus didn't come up with that. That's Psalm 46. It literally says, and the mountains be taken up and cast into the sea. See, Jesus is not original. He is, but he's original to himself. Jesus is always working from the text. And that's probably the most important lesson that you get out of this today is Jesus is always working from the text. How about you? Are you always working from the text? In your life, are you always thinking and working from the text? I'm not. I don't know my text well enough. I don't read it enough. Here's my supplication on, on both knees because I want to spend eternity with all of you. You've got to read your Bibles because you're going to be judged by every word whether you know it or not. When I when I'm doing 50 down Cuthbert and the cop pulls me over and says, you know how fast you were going? I said, uh, I don't know. 50? That's right. Do you know what the speed limit is? No, I don't. It's 25. Well, I didn't know that. You think the cop's going to go, oh, well, if you didn't know, that's okay. I'll just let you off then if you didn't know. He's going to say, I don't care if you knew it or not. You're getting the ticket. You're going to pay 200 bucks. But I didn't know. It doesn't matter. Are you driving the car? Uh-huh. Then you have to know all the laws. That's not right. Jesus says, you want to live life? You want to call on my name? You want to tell people you're a Christian? Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. You want to go to heaven? Uh-huh. You want to start eternal life now? Uh-huh. Are you willing to read the directions? Uh-uh. I'm still going to hold you accountable for him. Okay. What? 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 Yes, you're still going to be held accountable. So, I promise to be honest with you and open up the Bible to you as much as I can and, and as much as I know how if you ever want to go beyond what we do in class and actually just study and read. I can help you. I've lived a little longer than you. I've got some tips and some tricks and some places to start. And when you start putting on your, your glasses, it gets more and more fun all the time, I promise. Okay, um, so that your brains don't explode. We're, we're done for today. Um, thanks for, thanks for participating. It makes it so much better when you guys actually get involved instead of just sitting there completely asleep, uh, or completely tired. I, I understand it's Monday too. I, I just like to make fun of you because you're easy to make fun of. <laughs>